Hey, good weekend to you. Welcome to Leading Edge. I'm Jerry Anderson. Good to have you all along with the trappings of a construction site surrounding him. Toledo Mayor Wade Caps and Cabbage this week said it is time, a time of building in Toledo, a city under construction. It was all part of both the symbolism and substance of the Mayor's State of the City address. He talked of the unique and important opportunities the city has in front of it because of resources from the federal government's American Rescue Plan. And the mayor joins us now on Leading Edge, turning that federal largesse, if you will, into Toledo's rescue plan. I think we can agree it's probably a one-time deal, isn't it? But you say that residents, taxpayers led the way in prioritizing what's important to them, which is what? And you'll address it. How? We, when we we received this opportunity last year from the federal government. The first thing we did was ask the citizens of Toledo what they wanted us to do. Nothing is going to succeed if we don't have buy-in from the public. And so there were six different neighborhood meetings. We collected over 2,000 surveys from uh, from uh, survey applications that we sent out. And so we got pretty good feedback from the public, and we heard many of the things you'd expect. Uh, they want stronger neighborhoods and investment in neighborhoods, less blight. And they don't. They wanted us to demolish abandoned homes. They want programs to promote safety. They want recreation opportunities for kids. All the things that you'd expect. And so we built a plan uh, around that that achieves that. What I think is an important point to emphasize is this. While let me just take one example. While we anticipated, for instance, that there would be a desire on behalf of the public. Uh, to eliminate the lead service lines that we have in the city, about 3,000 of them, and that's because we don't want what happened in Flint to happen here. We didn't expect that to be the number one issue, and yet it was. And so we had we moved up something that we were going to do anyhow to the top of the list. And so of the $180 million that we're receiving from the federal government, we've already allocated 64 million of it. We've, we're already underway. But the first expenditure, the first $10 million, went to making sure that all 3,000 lead lines in our city uh, are removed. And that priority was established by the public. I think it's important I, to look I was to build gonna, trust for the Mayor, public. I was going to get to that coming up, but we're already there, so let's do it. Because Toledo's housing stock, part of our history, our housing stock has some miles on it, not unlike the host of this program, frankly. And back in the day, as we used to say, water came to our house through lead pipes. And these days, in too many cases, it still does. And you've already alluded to the risk. On this one, though, as I understand it, you're asking residents to engage. And explain a little bit why. We don't know where these lead pipes are or what? The most efficient way to, to help this work get done is to have citizens do a simple test. Uh, you can go to uh, the website, toledo.oh.gov backslash lead hyphen lines, and it will walk you through a test that you can do to see if you have lead lines that connect to your house. One involves a magnet and whether or not the magnet sticks to the line. The other one involves scraping off some of the residue and seeing what color it is. At any rate, if you feel like you have a lead line, register, sign up, and we will we'll address this for you. Technically, and no, very few people know this. The portion of your line of the line on your private property is technically the homeowner's responsibility. Yes. But no one knows that. And certainly no one is ready for the $5,000 surprise that uh, you would have to pay when it comes time to replace it. You don't have to worry about that because of the Toledo recovery plan. We'll do it for you, but we need you to, uh, to guide us where we need to go. And this is just one of the many things that this opportunity that we've gotten from Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. 
allows us to do. In addition to everything else, we're adding 100 additional police officers to the streets. We have 100, literally over 100 programs for kids this summer, almost all of them free, basketball, you know, baseball, football, coding. You want to learn horseback riding. You want to learn how to do a podcast. It's all free. Well, I did appreciate your speech the other night when you said people say, well, there's nothing to do. And the fact is that's incorrect. That's just not true. There is stuff to do. You also suggested, if you talk about this money, Mayor, in fact, you offered up as an example, action taken by Toledo City Council, I believe just earlier this week, maybe Tuesday, that with strategic partnerships, these already large sums of dollars can frankly be expanded. We talk about the $180 million directly that we received from the federal government. And that's true. But because of relationships, uh, partnerships, and, and frankly, networking that, that we have done with the other major institutions in our community, we really should be looking at that <clears throat> total as $300 million. Why? Because there's $132 million of additional leverage that our expenditures are helping to achieve. To take one example, the one you allude to at the Council meeting last week, city council appropriated money toward the goal of making sure every four-year-old in Toledo has access uh, to educational opportunities through pre-K. The city's amount is $2.5 million, but that's $2.5 million is part of uh, a larger plan whereby if the city puts in $2.5 million, well, then the county will put in $2.5 million, ProMedica has committed $5 million, and the Toledo Public Schools would throw in $10 million. So while you could look at our, our grid and say, well, the city uh, put $2.5 million towards pre-K, you really should be thinking about what we did as $20 million. And that's a way we could stretch these dollars even further. And it really illustrates what a truly unique moment this is for our community, put these resources to work. He's the mayor of Toledo, just delivered his State of the City address this week. He is Wade Capsicabit, some of you are watching. You say, Jerry, are you going to ask me, okay, there's an elephant in the room. It's not his pleasant, but it's one that was addressed and will be addressed on this program when we return right after this. Welcome back to Leading Edge. You know that gentleman. He is the mayor of the city of Toledo, Wade Capsic Cabbage. Now, when he was second term, just delivered his state of the city address, and we're kind of breaking it down with his help today. Uh, any fair description, Mayor, of the city must recognize the brutal and senseless violence that sees infants' lives just blown away. How about while being innocent passengers in cars at the age of seven months old? The director of your anti-violence program bolts after alluding to, well, first you saw him on the show. I know you guys watch. He believes in the program. Uh, he believes in the approach, was proud of what they did. But he did say, hey, there were times that people who wanted to be part of the solution, he would point out, but wanted to do so on their term, on their timetables. And I'm just, I just got to ask, do we even have an answer? And, and it's got to be more than, well, Jerry, it's happening everywhere. I think there are a lot of parts to the answer. Um, we are growing the size of the police force. That's part of what I emphasized uh, in our speech last right. night. And in 2026, we'll have more police on the streets than any time in the last 20 years. Uh, our police department has engaged this year in some uh, what they call the team model of policing. These are very targeted operations that go that do a deep dive into a neighborhood over about a 10 day or two week period that yes, makes arrests, but also eliminate uh, blight and uh, abandoned cars. And, and it, 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 uh, they've been intense and they've been successful. We just announced the results of one that concluded a week ago today in East Toledo. Hundreds of people have been arrested 
uh, and and I think that's positive. That is for that is one of the reasons why. And let me finish the statement because it will not seem it won't ring true. That's one of the reasons why our numbers this year overall are better. Burglaries are down, uh, and yes, uh, robberies are down, and yes, homicides are down. Now, listen, homicides may be down, maybe lower than they were this time last year, and that's true. But that does not mean that what is happening over the last three weeks is acceptable. It's just not. One of the things that's happening, though, is that in every one of these cases, every single case, the target of the violence was known by the shooter. This isn't random. This is retaliation. Now, sometimes, unfortunately, the shooter misses the target and heartbreakingly kills a seven-month-old. But what we're talking about here is retaliation, and it does govern what our response should be. So yes, part of it is an enforcement question, policing after the fact, and, and we, are, um, we are increasing our numbers in a way that hasn't happened in 20 years. But there's also an intervention and a prevention piece that's actually bigger and more important. That speaks uh, to the Save Our Community model. And if I uh, announced anything last night, um, that should have been newsworthy. It is that that model, and you had Joanna on your show and the violence interrupters. We are moving that out of City Hall into a private um, entity, a community partner, a partnership that has resources of its own that can bring that uh, part of the puzzle closer to the neighborhoods, closer to the people. That's how this needs to work. It's always been our intent. We're finally ready to do that. So you bet the city has a role. We all, but we all have a role. Every time something bad happens, you can crane your head and look toward City Hall if you want. You should also look toward the mirror because while I have a role as mayor, so does the coach, so does mom, so does dad, so does the mentor, so does the teacher, so does the pastor. We all have to be a part of this. And while our numbers are better this year than they were last year, it's not good enough. We cannot tolerate what we've seen these last three weeks. I, I got about a minute. I'm so sorry. But you want to invest in the airport. There are cries out there, and you know where they're coming from, to wrest control of the airport away from the Port Authority. Should we do that, Mayor? Are you comfortable in investing in the Eugene Crancy Express Airport under the current management arrangement? Do that in about 45 seconds. Well, right now, we're, we're not even competing uh, for the dollars that we need to have uh, the kind of airport we need. One of the things I announced yesterday is we're bringing on a person named Michael Beasley to lead a regional effort to make sure we are bringing the dollars into this region for rail and for the airport that right now we're leaving on the table. The governance of the airport is a live question. There have been some studies and reports done recently uh, that shed some light onto that. If we are gonna take the next step on governance and think about a different governance model, uh, the Lucas County commissioners under our form of government would have to take the next step. If we're going to move away from where the Port Authority operates it to where uh, an independent airport authority would operate it, the county commissioners uh, would have to take that step. It's not something the city can do. Um, but there are folks who are asking those questions uh, because right now, I, I don't know that we're maximizing the potential of our airport. So, yeah, we got to go get the money, uh, but governance could be a part of it too. And in that conversation, we need to. Uh, look toward the county commissioners who sort of would be the next domino that would have to fall. He is the mayor of the city of Toledo, Wade Capsie Cabbage. Just delivered his State of the City address and joined us to kind of flesh it out for us. Uh, thank you for the deeper dive. Always good to chat with you. Continued success down there at City Hall, Mayor. 
Right. Thank you very much. And we'll be back as we celebrate National Police Week on Leading Edge. Hey, welcome back to Leading Edge. Good to have you along. When you hear people talking about the police these days, it's not that unusual to hear maybe critical comments about police behavior, police accountability, police relations with, eh, let's say, some segments of society that don't really view police as protectors. Remember when the city appointed a commission to look into and tackle the thorniest of these problems? And the commission came away with, yeah, a few suggestions for improving those relationships. But it had to admit that the issues were so deeply seated that they really defied solutions, at least nothing in the short term. But against that background, I'm going to suggest when somebody's breaking in the back door of your house, the first people you're going to call are the police. And you hope and you expect and you pray that they arrive and they protect and they serve. This is National Police Week, a designation, I think, going back to the Kennedy administration, early 60s. And I welcome in Police Chief Mark Hummer, Lake Township Police Department. Mr. Hummer, also the township administrator. Good to see you, young man. Um, and I say young, although I just found out he's the longest serving law enforcement officer in Wood County starting his 39th year. He apparently started when he was eight. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, I, I tell people I don't have to wear the stars on my sleeve. They can look at my face and see I've been around a while. <laughs> They've got the experience. Well, I, uh, you have um, your community policing officer, who's your crime prevention officer, Ron Craig. I like, I've known Ron for years. He has penned an article for the Suburban Press that I thought really makes us sit up and take notice, Chief, because I think a lot of people hear township police and they think, oh, yeah, they'll catch an occasional speed or a red, red, side, red you know, stop sign runner, red light runner get a cat down from a tree. But his article recounts some real life dramas in which with guns drawn, your guys have to go against some bad dudes. Yeah, oh, absolutely. We have, you know, every small town faces the same dangers. Every small town officer faces the same dangers as our brothers and sisters in the bigger cities. Um, maybe, maybe not on the frequency, but, you know, in our jurisdiction, for example, we've got uh, the turnpike and I-280 running right through it. We have 5,000 guests a night sleep at our truck stop. So we have a city within a city and we have a lot of traffic issues. So, yeah, we've seen our share of um, of violent criminals that we've and we're expected to apprehend them just like everybody else. How do you, Chief, characterize the importance that people, the residents, the citizens place on protection? Well, we we passed a levy, an additional funding levy for our police department in the middle of COVID. When people were, you know, suffering, not knowing their futures with the economy and everything else, and we almost got seventy percent of the vote for additional funding. People, people out here, they, they, our residents truly see the value in having a well-funded, uh, well-equipped police department, and we're very fortunate. So um, they, they see the need, they support you guys, but your profession, chief does face challenges in terms of recruitment and retention, doesn't it? The police, something called the Police Executive Research Forum, um, and this was 2021, so recent stuff, their survey from law enforcement agencies on all different levels reported an 18% increase in resignations, 45% increase in retirements, and that was just compared to the previous year. Why, why is that happening? It's become kind of a, a brutal position profession to be in. And, and the, the issues we deal with on the street are being magnified um, sometimes by the mistakes that some of our officers make. And, you know, the, the whole law enforcement gets a black eye out of that. 
And there's a lot of a lot of pressure and a lot of critique, which is fair. We need to be critiqued, but sometimes it it feels as though we're not getting a fair shake on the law enforcement side. Um, so I, that combined with um, you know it is a dangerous job. It's you you strap on a gun and a bulletproof vest to go to work. It's not it's not a normal thing. So it takes it, it takes a special person to want to do it. Um, but it is down. You know, when I took my test for Perrysburg, there were a couple hundred people took that test. Yeah. Now Perrysburg's out recruiting from smaller agencies because nobody's taken the test. Anymore. Well, let's do that because, okay, people leave. We understand why. And you've given us some of their motivations. Here's a 2019 report from the International Association of Chiefs of Police. Again, all levels, federal, state, local. Um, 78% of agencies, 78% say they have trouble recruiting eligible candidates, 75%, that's three out of four, report recruiting more difficult now than it was in the past. Do you see that? Uh, we do see it. Um, I'm not going to lower our standards for our officers. Um, people, we don't have a problem here. There are officers willing to come here, and that's built on our reputation as a good, a good place to work. Um, we have a great police department. We have a great community. Um, but do I have the amount of applicants that I had before? No, it's down across the board. I'm going to respect this is Chief Mark Hummer, by the way, a police chief out in Lake Township. He's been in law enforcement 39 years. Good Lord, started his 39th year. Um, but you say you won't lower the bar, and I respect that. But some apparently are because that same survey, International Association of Chiefs of Police, 50% of agencies said they had to change their policies to increase the number of qualified candidates. I read that as they had to lower the bar. And then what about how that affects all of us out here? Sometimes policing itself can get watered down. 25% of agencies had to reduce or eliminate services, units, or positions due to staffing difficulties. Now you're out here, that's where we live, and that's what we can, should be concerned about. Um, you mentioned something. I don't like to dwell on statistics because people look at those as numbers. Um, National Law Enforcement Memorial Fund uh, talked about law enforcement officers dying in 2021, saw a huge increase, 55% increase um, from the previous year. Most of those losing their lives to COVID. When people talk about the first people out there, the police officers, the yep. most exposed. But make no mistake, the number of officers killed in by a gun, increasing 36%. Traffic-related incident killings, such as during traffic stops, up 38%. And this is a dangerous, dang profession. It, it is. And, um, you know, there is no work from home. There is no opportunity sometimes to wear a mask or, or protect yourself because we're expected to respond immediately. Um our, our equipment needs are being met um, with bulletproof vests and, and appropriate armament, but society in, in general has changed. Uh, and it's not just police officers, homicide rates across the border up. You know, we have people killing people as well, and, and we're getting caught up in that. Um, these are still well-paying jobs, great benefits, attractive retirement packages, but what else do police officers get from wearing the uniform? I'm talking non-monetary stuff. I mean, they're just a different breed of cat, aren't they? Well, yeah, it, it, we, we as a profession are different. Um, it is a calling. There, there's no other way it can be described and other than a calling. Um, it is a brother and sisterhood um, that enjoys helping people. 
And of course, there's some adrenaline rush in that, you know, with getting bad people off the street. That feels good. Um, It feels good to help people. Yeah. Um, You know, yeah. Not only do we get paid, we get we get a a self-satisfaction at the end of the day that, you know, you you helped your community. You helped someone. Yeah. Even if you didn't do anything, just your presence may have prevented something from happening. And at the Um, end of the day, folks, well, I toss some numbers out there in percentages police officers you like to point this out chief they are after all people they're your neighbors they're somebody's son daughter husband wife mother the dad these are folk they're people one of my officers a pursuit started in toledo in february and they came down here and the gentleman they were um pursuing literally rammed one of my cruisers on purpose and it it didn't it he he could have hurt seriously hurt my officer and when we did catch him which we did catch him yeah. Um, I had some unsavory things to say to him. I'm not surprised Chief uh, Chief Hummer uh, shared some sentiments with them. <laughs> I did. Yes. <laughs> well, on that note, let's leave it right there with a thank you to everybody who wears the uniform. This is National Police Week. And I wanted to get somebody in here who has lived it, who has breathed it and continues to protect and to serve. Chief Mark Hummer, Lake Township. Thanks for what you do. Pass it along to your troops and other police officers out there. Thank you for what you do as well, Jerry, getting Thank the message you. out. Take good care, Chief. And we'll be right back. Thank you so much for watching. Have a great week ahead. See you next week on Leading Edge.